Well, if you could, if you could turn with me to, to Psalm 119. We're going to start there. We're going to look at several passages of, of Scripture this morning. Psalm 119. Longest, longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to read the whole thing. No, no, no. Just the first two verses and then we'll look at, we'll look at a few others. Psalm 119, I'm going to just start with verses 1 and 2. Psalm 119, verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. You know, over and over in this, in this chapter, you see phrases like law of the Lord, or testimonies, or precepts, or statutes, or commandments, or judgments. It's all repetitive over and over, but it's all pointing to, to one thing, and that's God's Word. That's what this, that's what this chapter is, is all about, and it, to me there's no, there's no mistake that it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's all about God's Word. Verse 2 says, Blessed are they that keep His testimonies, again, His Word, and that seek Him with the whole heart. If you're in the habit of marking your, your Bible... Underline or circle that phrase, whole heart, at the end of, of verse number 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I need you, need your help. I just pray that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the words that you would have me to say this morning. Lord, use your word. As, as we are going to look at this chapter, a few verses, uh, this wonderful chapter that's all about your word, use it and, and just pray that you would be the one that, that is speaking this morning. And Lord, I just pray that our hearts would, would be open, that, that we would be willing and ready to submit ourselves unto you. Lord, we need you and ask you for your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the title of the, the message is Revival of the you know, I read that phrase and I told you to circle it if that's something that you do and seek Him with the whole heart. Um, this message I'm, I'm not going to get through this morning. I am, I'm planning on doing some of it this morning and, and, and finishing it this evening. But in, in three weeks, we, we have scheduled a revival meeting. Uh, beginning of October, Dr. John Collier will we'll be here with us, and, and those of you who have, have been here for a little while have heard him speak. He was, he's dropped in several times. He's a good, he's a good friend, a friend of pastor and has spoken on some Wednesday nights. He's done a revival meeting for us before. He spoke at our IFFB conference. Uh, wonderful preacher, uh, great man of God, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But let me, let me say this this morning that just because we have a revival meeting planned, does not mean that revival is going to come. Just because we pray for revival doesn't mean that revival is going to come. Just because you hear pastors all over this country, and we've been talking about this for, for decades, that our, our country needs revival. We're praying for revival. What are we doing for revival? Just speaking about revival and, and even maybe even talking about it from God's Word does not mean that re true revival is going to take place. 
as we know, revival, true revival has to take place in us. It has to take place in our heart first. And that's what I want to get our, our focus on this morning is revival of our hearts. And I want to just, the, the introductory statement is, and I, this is really what the, the theme of this morning is what I want you to focus on, is the state of the heart. Or maybe more appropriately, the state of our hearts or the state of my heart. What is the state of our heart this morning? And I, I want to start by just looking at a few more verses in this, in this chapter of Psalm 119. And that, that phrase, whole heart, is, is mentioned six times in, the, in Psalm 119. And I want to look at each of those here briefly. Again, verse 2 says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. I, want to, I just want to ask this question, what are you seeking this morning? What are you seeking? You know, there, there is so much that we seek after, if you really think about it. All right, we, 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 we spend our time every single day in pursuit of something. And of, just, just think about all the things that you do on a daily basis, maybe, very, maybe consistently in, in your routine. What is it that you spend time pursuing after every day? Is it, is it your job? You, know, you, you give a lot of effort for your job, and there's, there's nothing wrong, for, wrong with that at all. Um, we, we, we spend time with, with our families. And that, again, a great thing to do. We should be spending time with our families. We should be pursuing time with our families. Um, now, here's, here's some things that are a little bit more difficult. Um, how much time do we spend in front of a, uh, in front of a screen? Are we, is that what we're pursuing? Um, there, there's so many things that we, that we could talk about. That, that, we, that we seek, that we pursue, but are we seeking and pursuing God that way, with our whole heart, with everything that we have? Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. Now, look, look at verse 10. And again, the phrase is there. If you want to circle it, underline it, please do. Verse 10 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Again, the, the same thought. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Have I looked for you? Have I pursued you? All right, now look at verse 34. David says here, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Now that word, that word "observe" is, is an interesting word. If you if you look up what "observe" means, it literally means to hedge about or to guard. Okay, so th- think about what it's saying here. Yea, I shall observe or hedge about or guard it with my whole heart. Well, what's it? Thy law, thy commandments, God's word. All right, His words and His commandments should be guarded and shielded from all distractions in our life. And we, we, that's not going to happen unless our whole heart is given to His Word and to Him and to who He is. Because if our whole heart is not given to His Word, if we're not taking His Word seriously, then we are going to be distracted. Over and over again, the enemy is going to distract us. Our flesh is going to 
distract us. If we're not giving our whole heart to him, we're going to be distracted. Are we observing it? Are we guarding it? That's verse 34. Now look at verse 58. This is, a, this is an interesting verse here. It says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. There it is, there it is again, mark it. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Now it says, I entreated. All right, the word entreated just means I, again, kind of seeking after, or I prayed, I asked, I petitioned. But if you look at it a little bit closer, the word entreated actually means weak or sick or, or feeble. And, and when you're in that state, it, it literally means to beseech the Lord, to beseech him, to, to cry out to him with, with everything that you have. You know, that, the song that, that Kristen just sang talk, talked about staying the course when, when we're weak, when we're, when we're struggling, when we're, when we're having a, a difficult time. Are we still staying the course? God is going to do what He says He will do and promises that He, he, do, he will do if we stay the course, if we don't give in. And it says that that word, if I entreat, again, when, when you're at your weakest, when you're at your sickest, your feeblest, when you're struggling, are you still with your whole heart seeking his face? Seeking his face. It says, I entreated thy favor. That word, that word favor is actually talking about the face of God, his countenance. I entreated thy favor or thy face with my, with my whole heart. I, wrote, I have this written down in the margin of my Bible. He who knows God to be his God says this, I will seek his face, and I will long to be in his presence. You know, again, there are so many things that we long for and pursue and go after in this world. Are we truly pursuing and longing for and going after the presence of the Lord the way, the way that God's word says we should and the way that we should if he's going to bless us the way that he wants to bless us? Verse 69 it says, the, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Keeping his commandments, doing what God's word says. Are we fully committed, wholly 100% committed to keeping his, his precepts, his, his commandments? And then the last one, verse 145. Verse 145 of Psalm 119, I cried, again, there it is, with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried with my whole heart. When, when was the last time that you truly cried out unto the Lord with your whole heart in prayer? You know, we, and, and I'm speaking to myself here, we as Christians do not take prayer seriously enough. We just don't. When was the last time with everything that you had, everything that was in you, cried unto the Lord with your whole heart? You know, I, I can imagine that we can think back on a time in our life where we've done that, where there was something serious that, that we needed an answer from heaven about, that we needed the moving of God about, and we committed ourselves to giving our whole heart to praying and crying out to the Lord. And, and the, the Lord moved. I can, I'm thinking of several things right now 
it, it, several areas of my life in the past where I've done that. So the question is, if, if we've done it, we've had experience with it, why are we still not doing it? Why are we not doing it over and over and over? Because we're, we're distracted. Our, our, our whole heart is not given to the Lord. That, that's why. The state of our hearts. You know, the heart, the heart in Scripture, as, as you know, is, is not the vital organ, the, the physical heart that pumps blood through our body. When the Bible uses the word heart, most often it's referring to the innermost center of the spiritual condition of man. We humans, physically speaking, as you know, we're, we're a fleeting species. The moment we're born, the, the clock begins to tick towards the moment of departure. Our, our physical hearts, as allowed by God, have a very specific number of beats. And when that last beat arrives, we're, we're swept into eternity. That, that's, our, that's our physical heart. But the biblical word heart refers to really a more important part of us. It's, it's who we really are. It's, it's where we are at spiritually. Spiritually, we are eternal beings. Physically, we're not. But spiritually, we are eternal beings. We will be alive and, and be conscious and know exactly what is going on around us in one of two places, forever and ever. The Bible speaks of, of two places that our, are, that our spirits will dwell for eternity, and that's heaven and, or that's hell. There, there's, there's no limbo, there's no purgatory, there's, there's nothing in between. The Bible is very clear that it's either heaven or hell. And, and what we do with Jesus Christ, what we believe in terms of Jesus Christ while we are here on this earth determines which one of those two places we're going to spend eternity. We either, we either accept or we reject Jesus Christ and the payment that he made for our sins. We either put our complete faith and trust in who Jesus Christ is, his completed work on the cross, and victorious rise from the grave, and we call upon his name and ask him to save us. That's, that's the right response. Or the wrong response is we reject him. We, we don't believe. We don't trust what has already been done for us. Maybe we put our trust in what we do, our good works. Those good works will die with us for eternity if we don't put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If we die in our sins physically, we die spiritually forever and ever. When we're saved, we are quickened. We're made alive by the power of God, guaranteed an eternal home with Him. We're, we're either born once and die twice, or we're born twice and die once. Let me say that again. We either, we're either born once and die twice, meaning we die physically, and then we die again spiritually for eternity, or we're physically born, and then we're born again, according to John 3. Born again. And then only die once physically, unless the Lord would, would come back, but live spiritually forever. Live on forever with the Lord. Listen, if you have never realized that your sins have separated you from a holy and a righteous God, you, you've never realized your need for saving from your sins, realize that Jesus made the payment for our sins on the cross and died, and then rose again victoriously. If, you, if you've never put your faith and trust in that and believe that, if you've never called upon Him to save you, 
please do not leave here today without doing that. It's the most important decision that you will ever make. Revival of the heart can't begin unless that's the case, unless you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is no revival of the heart unless you're saved. You have to be saved. Last last week, last Thursday evening, um, I was the Lord arranged the, the circumstances for me to, to speak at a funeral. And, you know, it's interesting at funeral time, sometimes that, you know, I, I've been talking about distractions, just, you know, things distracting us from giving our whole heart to the Lord. There can be a lot of distractions in, in a funeral service. Um, I, you know, I'm sure that many of you, if not all of you, have been to some funeral services. But, you know, for, for some reason, well, not for some reason, it was for the reason of the Lord. The Lord get, granted it. Um, I, I spoke at that funeral service last Thursday night, and it was, as if, it was as if the people that were listening were hungry for the gospel. And I, I, praise, I praise the Lord for that. You know, again, there, very, very little distractions whatsoever, and, and the Lord just, just did an amazing thing through that funeral, and I, I praise Him for that. There, there was literally, it just, I don't know if the people, you know, some of the people there had never heard it before, or maybe just once when they were younger and they're hearing it for it again, but it, it just seemed like the hunger for the gospel was there. And there was a, there was a great response. And again, I, pra- I praise the Lord for it. But let me, let me ask us and ask myself this morning, where, where has the hunger of the gospel gone? For, for us as Christians, yeah, yes, yes, we're saved. We've, we have the gospel, we've accepted it, but where is our hunger for it? You know, we can, we can watch movies over and over and over again and, and watch them again and again because we enjoy the movie, we, we think it's funny, whatever the case may be. We can watch videos on YouTube over and over again. We can play the same sports over and over again because we, we, we love them and enjoy them. But what, what happens to us in a, in a service like this and I did what I just did and, and gave a, a small part of the gospel. Those of us who have been saved for decades, what happens when, when you hear the gospel again? What, do, you, do you start to think, oh, well, he's, he's given the gospel again. I guess I can tune out for a few minutes here. Um, you know, I, I don't need that. I'm saved. Where is our hunger for the, for the gospel? We have, got to, we have got to retain that no matter how long we have been saved. If we don't have a hunger to hear the gospel over and over and hear what Jesus Christ has done for us, if we don't want to hear that, if we don't want to hear that anymore, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. If we don't have a hunger for the gospel, we're not going to tell other people about it. We're not going to share the good news of the gospel. We're not going to be here for for Great Commission and and go out and do things like that where we can be a witness and, and hand out the gospel. Where is our hunger for the Word of God and, gospel, and the Gospel. You know, our, the, the message today is, is really primarily pointed at, at those of us who are saved. But again, if, if you're not, if you're not 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven, please make sure of that. Make sure of that today. There'll be many people who would be willing to, to show you that from God's Word. But look, our, our, most of us in, the, in this room today, I would say our, our eternity is, is probably settled. We're saved. We've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And let me, let me just ask, how many of you know for sure? You're 100% for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Raise your hand. Yeah, a majority, a majority. 
And again, if you can't, if you if you weren't able to raise your hand, take care of that today. So many of us are, are saved today. But here's the thing. Again, the world offers so many distractions that will sway our heart in so many different directions. Do you remember, and I'm sure you do, what Paul wrote of, of Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10? Demas was actually a man who was once a committed follower of Jesus Christ and a close companion of, and, and helper of Paul. But Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, literally, possibly just moments before his death, but with, within hours, possibly days of his death, he's writing to Timothy alone in, in a prison, literally just before he, he is to be beheaded for the cause of Christ and martyred. He testifies of, of what went wrong with Demas. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9, Paul says this to, the, to Timothy, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. You know, that, I, 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 that's a sad statement. He was, he was, he was alone. Um, he, he wanted company. He, he wanted Timothy to be with him. But amazingly, he's, he, he's just moments before his death, and, and we're still reading the words that he, that he was writing. It's amazing to me that how the Lord used Paul. But it says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Now, why? Why does he say that to Timothy? Because he says this in verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me. Demas hath forsaken me. He left him. Having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. He loved this present world. Demas didn't lose his salvation. I, 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 for, for, all of, for everything that I know, Demas was probably a saved man. He did not lose his salvation. No, but his heart was not whole. His heart was deceived by the world and the enemy, and he gave in to it. Is, is that us this morning? Maybe, maybe it's not apparent on the outside. I mean, we're all here. We're in church. You know, we're where we're supposed to be on a Sunday morning. When I, when I look out in, in the crowd, I, I can't just point at, at someone and, and say, well, they're, they're not wholly given to the Lord. I, I can't do that. God sees our hearts, though. God, God knows exactly what's going on in our heart and whether or not it's fully given to Him. You know, we're, we're very good at, at putting up a front and making it look like we're, we're giving ourselves unto the Lord, but let's be real with ourselves this morning and ask ourselves, am I truly, wholly, 100% given over to the Lord? You know, again, who and what are, are we seeking this morning? Where is our heart? Fully committed, partially committed, Maybe part of our heart is given to God, but again, where are the other pieces this morning? I want to I just look at some verses uh, of Scripture as part of this introduction. Turn with me, and this is, this is what you'll, you'll write down in your, in your notes there. And, and I didn't mention this earlier. It's an insert in, your, in, the, in, the, um, in the bulletin. It's not, on the, it's not on the back this morning. Um, but if you could turn with me to Isaiah chapter 29. Just some thoughts on this on this topic that we're that we're speaking on this morning, Isaiah chapter twenty nine, thirteen through fifteen, and then also we're going to look at chapter thirty verses one through three. Isaiah chapter number twenty nine, beginning in verse thirteen. Now this is Isaiah revealing some reasons, uh, really, for the coming discipline of of Judah and Jerusalem. I'm not going to 
get a whole lot into the, into the background here, but I just want you to notice what the Lord says here. Verse 13 of Isaiah chapter 29. Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, and then I uh, mark this, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of man. It's taught by the precept of man. So in other words, they were paying more attention to the commandments, to the, to the principles, to the precepts of man than they were to the principles and precepts and commandments of God that we just read about in Psalm 119. And with their lips do honor me. They draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of man. Verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. You understand that if we're basing, or let me say it this way, if we're accepting wisdom from anywhere except the word of God, that wisdom is going to perish. It's going to cease. It's going to put you in a place that you do not want to be. It may, it may sound great for a little time. It may, it may even give you success for a little bit, little bit of time. But sooner or later, it's going to die. It's going to perish. And then, and then where will we be? Verse 15, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us? And who knoweth us? These, the source of wisdom, maybe that we're seeking that's not from God's word this morning, they, they think they're hiding from God, but you, as we know, you cannot hide from God. Look over at chapter 30, in verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. Where is our counsel? Where is our wisdom coming from? And that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. That they may add sin to sin. Let me, let me go back. You stay right there for a moment. I want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 19 with that idea of adding sin to sin. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 19. Listen, listen to these words. It says, and it, and it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless him in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, <clears throat> though I walk in the imagination of mine heart. Listen, understand how confused a person is when they make a statement like that. I shall have peace. When, when, when God is chastising us, when he's trying to get our attention, when we have difficulties going in our life, God wants to use those for his good and for our good. But sometimes we think, well, I'm, I'm okay. I can, I can create my own peace. I can do my own thing. But look what it says. I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart. So he's relying on himself to give himself peace. And then listen to this. To add drunkenness to the thirst. So whatever it is that we are turning away from to, and grabbing a hold of, that, that maybe even at first wasn't a sin, guarantee you hang on to that for, for real long, and that, that sin adds to sin, and sin adds to sin. 
Just one, one drink turns into drunkenness is, is the, the example that is used. Our, our peace cannot be found in and of itself. We've got to seek it from God. Chapter, back at Isaiah chapter 30, let me read the verse, verse again. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, and that cover with a covering but not of my spirit, and that, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt. Egypt is always a picture of the world in the Bible. That go down into Egypt, into the world, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Where are you trying to draw your strength from that the Lord has not led you to draw strength from? Verse 3, Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame. So in other words, that strength, that wisdom, that peace that, that, that we're seeking that isn't of the Lord, it's gonna, it'll turn into our shame. And it says, And the trust of the shadow of Egypt, your confusion. Look, this is why people are confused today. When we look at our news, when we look at social media, when we look at politics, all you see is just a bunch of people that are confused. Because, because why? They're seeking peace in their power and in their money and in the world. They're walking into Egypt looking for the, the desires of their heart and, and they're finding confusion. They're just a bunch of confused people. And we, can, we ourselves can be drawn into that if we're not very careful. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Think about those words and then turn, turn with me. This is the next verse that you can fill in there. Ezekiel 33, verses 30 to 32. Turn over a few books just after Jeremiah and Lamentations is Ezekiel chapter 33. Kind of a, really a similar message is given here. Some warnings are being given. Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. It says this, Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the Lord that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as, pe as, a, as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Wow. So convicting. Verse 32, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument, but they hear thy words, but they do them not. God, help us this morning. Please let, us, let it not be us. Verse 33, And when this cometh to pass, lo, and it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them, because the, because the Lord is, is going to show them, and going to surprise them probably. Look, does that, does that not very easily, possibly, be describing us this morning? Verse 31, And they come unto thee as the people cometh. We're here together, we're in church, and please understand I'm talking to myself through this as well. And they sit before thee as, as, as my people. And they hear thy words. You're hearing the music, you're hearing the preaching, everything that's going on, but they will not do them. Look, if... 
if we're coming to just, you know, have our ears tingled and tickled, but it doesn't affect us at all, then why are we here? We have to be here to draw close to the Lord. We have to be here to hear from Him. Not from me, not from Pastor Schelling, not from Dr. Collier in, in a few weeks. We have to be here in this church to hear from God in His Word. We're, we're, just, we're fooling ourselves and just playing games if that's all we're coming to just to be entertained. That, that's, not, that's not the house of God. That's not His intention. He, he wants to be so close to us. He wants to have a relationship with us that, that will just blow us away if we would just give ourselves to Him. He, he wants that so bad, but the problem is, is we, don't, we don't want it. And again, me, I'm talking to me. We, you, know why we, you know why we don't have revival? It's because we don't want it. We don't want it. We've, we've got to get to the place where we want it. And it's, it's, it's everything that is in us. We, we've got to give it to, to Him. One more, one more passage of Scripture. And going, going to, to the teachings of Jesus now, Matthew 15, 7 through 9. And, and he's drawing upon the verses that we've just read, basically, specifically to the ones in Isaiah. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is, is speaking to the, to the Pharisees. You know, we, we have a f- familiarity with them. The, you know, basically, Jesus calls them what they are here in verse 7 ye hypocrites. Um, they, you know, they, they've put on a show, but inside they were a mess. Jesus says this, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's what we just read. Verse 9, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You know, Brian Sharp has taught this on, on multiple occasions when you see, the, you see an S on the end of doctrine. It's not the right kind of doctrine. Um, there's doctrines of devils, doctrines of men. It's, it's the doctrines that are being taught that are wrong, that are, that are against what God's Word. It's, it's adding or taking away from Scripture. So again, it says, But in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The commandments of men. Or again, are we are we listening to the doctrines of devils and of men, or are we are we listening to doctrine of God of God's word? You know, they were again they were taking man made ideas and making them more important than the word of God. That's what the Pharisees did. They kind of came up with their own code, their own set of laws that they added to what what was already there, and they made the they treated the people very badly. They they um, you know, punish them for not following their man-made laws instead of what God's Word said. And that's what Jesus was calling them out for. You know, the world and the ideas of man had trumped God's Word and His teaching. And, and we, I think we see that more and more now than ever before. There is an everyday choice that has to be made. Either we accept the truth of God's Word and put it into practice with our whole heart, or we accept and believe the lies of the world and man. And then put those things into practice. What is it that we're practicing this morning? We have a choice between obeying tradition, as Jesus talked about, or just quite simply God's truth. Tradition is, is our religion, our ritual, the, the external. 
while obeying God's truth is internal. It's real. It's, it's relational. It's, it's a, a reality of love for our God and Savior. Tradition versus God's truth. Listen to this. Tradition brings empty words to the lips while truth penetrates the heart and changes the life. Tradition robs a person of the power of the Word of God, but obedience to God's truth enables the power of the Word of God and His grace to work in and through us on a daily basis. You know, we, I talked a moment ago um, earlier about it being Grandparents' Day, and I appreciate that. I'm glad we're recognizing our grandparents today, but it's September 11th. Does that, that ring a bell? Yeah, so... 21 years ago, September 11th, 2001, I can't believe that, 21 years have gone by since, since the amazing events of that day. I, I imagine that you remember exactly where you were, um, what you were doing when, when you first heard the news. On, on that day, I was, I was, 20, I was 20 years old, um, in a month and two days before my 21st birthday. All right, so I'll give you a second if you want to figure out how old I am. And on that day, I was, I was driving to class at Northern Kentucky University. Um, on that, on, it was a Tuesday morning. And I, I had the radio on, and the, the radio broadcast uh, initially had reported that a, a plane had accidentally crashed into the, to the first tower. So, you know, at first it was kind of like, okay, well, I, I'm not sure how that happened. Why would that happen? Um, but then eventually the other tower was, was, was hit and, and no longer could be considered uh, an accident. I got, I got to NKU that day and uh, cl- classes had been canceled due, due to, the, to the tragic events of, of the day. So I, I, I drove back home, got, got in front of the TV and began to take in images and video footage that, that will be etched in my, in my brain forever. The, the twin towers with, with huge gaping holes coming out of them, smoke billowing, billowing into the air. Uh, both towers, as you know, eventually collapsing. People running, running away from the, from the following buildings in a, just a massive cloud of dirt and dust. People, people covered in, in ash and dirt. Remember the, the Pentagon in, in D.C. Being, being hit as well. And then the, the fourth plane, as, as we know, was crashed into Pennsylvania due to the heroic actions of, of Todd Beamer and, and other passengers on that plane that day. You know, what a, what a day that was. What, a, what an amazing thing. And, and not really amazing is not the word, scary. Um, you know, just unsettling. I remember, I remember talking, you know, my mom was actually the secretary of the church that, that we were attending at the time. I, I called her, and, or she called, she called the house maybe because she knew I was probably heading home, and I remember her just checking on me, and are, are you okay? Because, I mean, we were shaken that day. Um, that, those events were, were unbelievable. And when it became clear, again, that it was a planned and coordinated attack on the homeland of the United States of America, Something happened in this country that, that I had not really ever experienced in my 20 plus years of life. And I, and I don't believe I've experienced it since then. And I believe for a time, just a short time, 
America became again what America was intended to be because of these tragic events. There was a sense of immense unity in this country for, for a short time. People began coming together to stand up against an inherent evil, terrorism, Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, whatever, whatever you wanted to call it, whatever name you wanted to give it, people were united. They came together. If you probably remember this, that thousands of people were wearing hats and shirts that had either NYPD or NYFD on them in, in support of, of the heroic efforts that they were making in, in New York City after the, you know, in the rubble, looking for bodies and doing all the things that they were doing. Huge, huge numbers of men and women went to their local military recruit, recruiting posts and signed up to go fight the, the enemy. According to the, to the USO, the United, State, uh, United Service Organizations, in the year following 9-11, 181,510 Americans enlisted in the ranks of active duty, and then another 72,908 joined the enlisted reserves. So in, in the following year, all, over 250,000 voluntary military enlistments. And then also church attendance significantly increased. In the following weeks, according to the Wall Street Journal, churches saw a 25% spike in attendance. We, we came together. Again, for a time, America began to feel like America should feel. It could be argued that there hadn't been a unifying movement like that in our country since Pearl Harbor was attacked at the beginning of World War I, almost 60 years prior to that. You might even go as far as to say that there was a feeling of revival in this country. I don't know if I'd call it a, a spiritual awakening, but a, certainly a revival of the foundational American principles that are based upon the Bible. But here's the problem, and, and here's the problem we face today. That unity, that, that sense of support for the common good of this country, that, that sense of being drawn to God's house, as we know, has long since passed. You know, our, our government has talks of restoring unity, but all we have to do is just spend a few seconds looking at social media or the news to see that that promise is just rhetoric. There is no unity in this country. So I said, I said all of this to say this. You know, we, we can look back on all of that and see a huge difference in our country that came together for a few months or maybe even a year and the direction that it is headed in this present day. Huge difference. But let's, let's flip the microscope from our country to ourselves this morning as we, as we finish up here and ask ourselves this question. Can we look back on a time in our lives when we were wholeheartedly committed to our relationship with the Lord? But now it's, it's headed in a different direction. Can, can we look back and see a, a fervor that we once had for serving the Lord that has, that has drastically just faded away? Can we look back and see a phase of our life when our time was prioritized the right way? We had, we had a, a time every day when we were in God's Word and prayer. We were in church consistently when the doors open and possible. We were serving the Lord in the capacity that He had called us to and to the best of our ability. 
but maybe now all that's just a memory. You know, again, we, we talk about revival in this country. We have revival services, conference, preaching services, and so on. Again, but none of this means anything if we're looking back on a time in the past when we were on fire for the Lord. There will never ever be revival in our homes, in our church, and in our country until our individual hearts become revived. That would mean that we're no longer looking in the past to a better day in a relationship with the Lord, but we're living it in the present. Our hearts must be wholly and completely given to God. 